Thank you for joining me, your host, Alex, on another episode of the Corporate Cowboys podcast. This, this podcast is for those young or aspiring professionals, individuals who are seeking to infiltrate, navigate, and then exfiltrate from corporate. I mean, you, you can stick around. You can retire you can get buried in corporate right but you leave the same way you came in through some entrance right because corporate in and of itself is another world and it's porous it's permeable it's penetrable it's fluid the corporate world order is one that you recognize it's one that we are all born into whether we like it or not if you can hear my voice it's probably via some device that was made with capitalistic motive not just profit motive but capitalistic motive which is just to make it happen to bring it to market whether or not the company that made it still exists. Otherwise, I mean, the profit motive would always be there. No companies would go bankrupt. You see, you have to think a little more optimistically. Sure, corporate is a cynical place to work in. You must operate realistically. But as professionals... We're endowed with the spirits of optimism, ambition, aspiration, innovation, inspiration. We have the spark that makes corporate worthwhile. Otherwise, this system wouldn't work. Look at every other system that has tried to take capitalism and pervert it. Socialism, communism, command marketalism <laughs> command market communism look at them look at them capitalism in its purest form has maintained semblance of humanity everything else just becomes robotic mechanic formulaic to an extreme everybody's got a number attached to them there is no consideration for the human condition it's an all or nothing it's very black and white and i'll tell you very few things in life are black and white but there is a lot of gray in corporate Today's question is coming from r slash career guidance. You've got me for the next 30 minutes. I'll treat this as a free consult. You can listen in, find what it is I would go through. I would think about how I would inquire with the client. Questions that you can write down, considerations for you to make in case you should find yourself in a similar situation or 
you're speaking with a close friend of yours, an acquaintance, an associate, and they're in similar straits and come to you for a little peace of mind. If you don't have a group of friends, associates that you can come together with and talk about things like this, but you've got, you've got the, the crew to join on, on Xbox or PlayStation or what have you, play games online. Yeah, you've got friends to do that with. You've got friends to go to the club with on the weekends. You've got friends to sit around, chop it up and drink and smoke blunts. But you don't have a circle of friends that you can get together with and talk corporate, talk shop. I feel for you. I do. I really do. You don't know what you're missing out on. I, I already laugh at the depth of conversation when it's not about work, when it's not about corporate, when it's not about progressing and advancing in life what are you doing progressing and advancing in 2k 23 2k 24 i guess i should give you a little proof of life right today's monday november 6 2023 and i don't like i don't play video games so i don't know if it's 2K23 or 2K24 or if they're already dropping 2K25 I don't I like I understand that sometimes they'll like pre-release or release early or will release it for the incoming year in the year before however the fuck they do that right it's all marketing it's all corporate and if you don't have a hand in it you are the target demographic they don't want you to. They want you to consume. That's the goal of their marketing department. To get the game out on the shelves, to get the advertisements in your face and have you thinking of nothing else but wasting time. Hours, days, months sunk into a game. A game that may not matter, really. Ultimately, it's your decision, right? I get somebody's going to try and reason with me, try and rationalize the fact that they invest, quote unquote, so much time in video games. There's major league gaming. I can be a pro gamer. I can be sponsored. Okay. Go ahead. Do what you need to to get there. But notice that you're still aspiring. You're motivated. You're driven. You're committed to getting there. So there's some productivity going on. Now, is everybody in your circle on the same boat? Or are you working on your own self? Are you building your own portfolio, your own skill set, developing yourself professionally? Because that would be professional gaming. You see? It all comes back to center. Comes back to associating with those who want to move ahead, who want to get ahead just as much as you do. 
All right. Today's question has to do with interviews. Interviews. I'm reading it now. I'm skimming it. They're asking, I was doing great until this interview question came up. What should I have answered? What should I have answered? Okay. <laughs> I want to say like, well, yeah, I want to say like, and then Alex fucking don't say like. How about, I want to say the most cliche and difficult question to, uh, to answer, to be asked during an interview is, what is your greatest weakness or what is your greatest strength, especially when they come back to back, like one right after the other? Or you'll be asked one and you give your answer. They do a couple of follow-up little pokes and prods and then ask you the, the inverse. It's difficult trying to stay on your toes during an interview, when you, especially when you are trying to market yourself as the strongest candidate possible, the best candidate possible, the fittest candidate for whatever position it is that you've applied for and are now interviewing for. The body on this one reads, I was in the midst of a successful interview for a sales director position. Confidently sharing my methods such as one-on-one -on -one meetings, feedback models, and performance appraisals. Suddenly, my potential boss posed a challenging question. All of that theory is great, but how do you handle day-to-day -day unexpected problems? This caught me off guard, leaving me momentarily unsure of how to respond. What should I have answered? Man, oh man, Alex, what's up with this broad question? They gave little to no meat. All they've got is this bone to pick at. And I got a ton to say. I got a ton to say, especially when they're interviewing for a director position, which is supervisory in nature, right? It's managerial to some extent, executive even. I mean, you are making executive decisions day to day, especially if you're supervising others. And as far as theory goes, I mean, unless you went to school for this, unless during the interview you're telling them that you read something in a book or that you learned something in school about how to apply this... Um, what this one on how to apply one on one meeting fucking any anybody who's worth their weight in salt anybody who's worth their weight in gold is familiar with the one on one meeting now feedback models okay that sounds a little theoretical to me it sounds a little technical if anything not even theoretical because at least you have a model to go on and their feedback so i don't know if if you're coding the feedback, if you're coding the language within the feedback and using those, using those codes as a form of statistical analysis to find what form of service, what kinds of service 
ingratiate yourself with the customer or provides you the best feedback, right? There, I mean, there's, there's ways to do all this. There's ways to do all this. It can be done. It can be boiled down to numbers, to mathematics. It can be quantified and analyzed. So that's technical. That's not even theoretical. I think, and I don't know why, why off the bat, I just want to shit on this interviewer, on this potential boss. I want to just shoot from the hip and call him a, a dunce. Is that calling something, labeling something as theoretical doesn't make it theory. Yeah, you might have thrown the interviewee for a loop and they don't know how to answer your question, but that's, that's uh, semantics. That's just a, a very, a variation of, of word smithing, calling something theoretical when in actuality it might not be. Now, there's a lot more that we would ask from this hypothetical client and legal disclaimer, because they're a hypothetical client, this is a hypothetical professional opinion. It's more of a general opinion, uh, just a general commentary on one person's hypothetical case. Now, whether or not this person is listening to the podcast, I mean, who's to say? Who knows? If you find yourself in a similar position, you should take everything you hear on this podcast with a grain of salt. None of what you hear is legal advice. We do not promote any illicit activity or condone any wrongdoing. All right? I'm asking questions. I'm asking questions because I want to know. If I had this hypothetical client in front of me, what their age is, what their education is, what their experience is, and why, why for corporate sake did they not shoot back at this potential boss labeling their skill as theoretical? I mean, if they're applying for a supervisory position, something somewhat elevated in a managerial position, a couple rungs up the ladder, if you will, First thought is going to be that they have experience beforehand. That they're coming from another position where they operated in a similar capacity. And so they have the experience to be applying for this director position. And if they don't, if they don't, then they at least have the skills, have the skills necessary for taking on this director position. Now, even if they just graduated school, even if they just got out of college, uh, got, I don't know, their bachelor's, their master's maybe in, in organizational management or uh, managerial economics, for them to be applying for a, a director's position, a directorship, straight out of school and stumble on this question of, Okay, yeah, theoretics, theories are good, but how would you handle day-to-day -day unexpected 
What is it? Unexpected problems? I mean, even a, a, a new, a newly graduated, even an undergrad, a fresh undergrad, somebody fresh out of school might be able to answer that. It's how any unexpected event is handled. Reprioritization. Key word is prioritizing. Assuming you're already going about your workday, having prioritized your tasks. And if something unexpected comes up, you may be required to reprioritize. Now, this takes, this takes uh, a certain skill, a certain skill, and that is to evaluate in real time the best way to organize, the most efficient way to organize your energy, your focus, your attention. What requires it first? And it's a little different from school because in school, you've got a, a class schedule, right? A curriculum, I would imagine, a, a syllabus or a syllabi for multiple classes. And you're able to track, to track your assignments as they come up, to track your readings as they become due. And any intermediate projects or exams, if you have midterms or, or uh, exams every quarter, final exams at the end of the, of the course, those you can plot on and you can plot on a calendar and plan ahead for them. In between those would be the unexpected situations. Maybe not so much school-related. In work, it's a little different. It's all work-related, right? But back to the school schedule, the unexpected situations that pop up are going to be like social events. Social events. Uh, maybe there's a work project, a, a class work project, like a class project, and you've been paired with a couple of other students, a couple other individuals having to coordinate with them, to set aside some time and meet with them, to work together, to be sure that whatever deliverable is being asked of you, whatever work product you have to submit for your grade, is being done on time. And that may require reprioritizing other projects to be able to meet and collaborate together as a team. See how the, how the lines tend to get a little blurred, the more it becomes work-oriented. And now in corporate, it's all work-oriented. So having to reprioritize whatever, whatever hard deadlines you have, having to reprioritize the attention you're giving them to work on unexpected issues as they come up. That's a never-ending job. That's something that will occur day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. That never changes. It never stops because you're dealing with humans, right? You're dealing with humans within this system of corporate. And humans, I mean, far from being satisfiable, also happen to change their minds, also happen to have feelings, 
different feelings from day to day, moment to moment even. So how reprioritization and and how time management and reorganization, how those escaped your mind, how those escaped your your purview, your your consideration to bring it up during the interview, during the interview baffles me really, but should be a learning experience. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that not long after the hypothetical client, this, this poster finished posting this question on Reddit. I'm hoping that not long after it, it came to them. Well, what do you do when something unexpected comes up? You don't freeze. You don't stumble. You don't stutter. You don't stop working. You continue working, but you shift your weight. You pivot. You adjust, you accommodate, whatever. And that's not even a nuisance. It's not, it's not because it's just work. You accommodate whatever additional efforts or different effort must be exerted. It's because it's never additional. It's just a different type of effort. You may have been taken off of one task. And I I hesitate to say derailed from one task. You're just taken off of one task to focus on another briefly, reprioritizing your time, your energy, your attention to mitigate, to address, to confront whatever issue came up, resolve it, and return to whatever you were doing originally. Just reprioritization. And you do it moving. You do it on the move. You do it on the run. You don't want to freeze. You don't want to pause. Not for too long, at least. I mean, the whole point of reprioritization, you may need to, uh, to, to put a whole day in between one task and the next. Or one task and the return to that task. Right? So... Reach out to whoever you need to. Let them know that you're going to need some time. Something came up. Provide a brief explanation, if any, if one is needed. And you do it moving from there. The ever consummate professional. Keeping lines of communication open and transparent. For their partners, their accomplices, their associates those that they are involved with in business. Time is it? About 23, 25, almost 25 minutes in. Let me read, um, let me read a couple comments. I feel like I answer that the way I would answer, the way a corporate cowboy would answer it. I feel like the reason I wanted to shit on this potential boss, on this interviewer, maybe because I wasn't there, right? Maybe, maybe they saw some, some, some youth or immaturity or innocence, naivete in the interviewee. And they would, and they asked them, I mean, they, they just wanted to know, what would you do? 
when you're working day to day and an unexpected problem just arises, how do you handle that? How would you handle that? Right? So they are doing their due diligence. They are doing their part, interviewing the applicant. And part of me wants to shit on the hypothetical client for not giving us enough facts in the question. But the question is broad enough. I feel like the prompt is broad enough to, to talk about for as long as we need to. As long as we drive this point home of reprioritization of what it's like to work professionally where some deadlines are changing and some will change unilaterally. That means without you having to move them, some of them you will have to move. If something pops up and you've got to move around a couple of deadlines, that's where the open lines of communication, that's where the trust, the reputation, the, the repertoire, the rapport comes in. So if Alex calls you and says, hey, you know that thing I had to do on Tuesday? Yeah, something came up. This and that. Woo -de -woo. It'll be done by Thursday. So I put a day between Tuesday and Wednesday. And on Thursday, I'm back on task. I'm back in line. I'm back in action. Now, I could just as easy pause, and freeze up, not know how to proceed, not know what to do to continue and, and, and get ahead. If every little interruption in my workday caused me to freeze, I would get nothing done. I'm a professional, I'm telling you. Some days it feels like I'm running from fire to fire, just putting fires out. Other days, the operation is smooth sailing. I'm just moving from client to client. Making my rounds. Sharing my, my positive energy. Ultimately, that's what clients want. They want to work with good people, with positive people. They could come to a deal expecting margins of 30%, right? I'm just throwing it out there just for the sake of argument. And the work might be difficult. Interruptions pop up that cause service, that cause interruptions I think I use interruptions already but something unexpected comes up that interrupts the service and I can make up for it by being a positive person you could make up for it for having a reputation a relationship built on rapport and trust with the client even if their profit margins fall from 30? I'm not going to say fall. Okay, that's a little exaggerative. But if their profit margins 
slightly decrease from 30% to 23%. But it's reasonable. And mind you, you make it reasonable. You reason with them. Why the interruption is actually a good thing. Yeah, you might have had 30% profit margins, but you wouldn't have lived to see another business cycle. Right? That's the whole idea of folks saying that, oh, corporate just cares about profits. Profits over people. It's not always the case. Why do you think there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions? It's because they can't live on their own just fucking people over. They've got to spread and take over other operations, other purer, more purer, good operations. They've got to corrupt them and pervert them. Because to them, yeah, it's profits over people, but capitalism and every other sense of the word, it's pure. It's regenerative. It's self-regulating and self-sustaining. The virus is... It's a mental virus by directors, by executives, by managers, by quote-unquote leaders who really don't lead shit. They just spread their fucking virus. <laughs> and more often than not, I can attest to this more often than not, even if the expected outcome even if the outcome is not what the client expected because you were there for them, because you kept lines of communication open, because you were transparent with them, because you took the trust that you built with them, the rapport that you have with one another. And you were treating them as equals, treating them as, as colleagues as if you actually were working together. You could be at two different organizations and still be working together. Shit, you could be the competition and still be working together. Your reputation will precede you. You will be known before you were ever met. <laughs> it's fun, it's fun. You sow enough seeds, sooner or later you will have apple pie. <laughs> right, I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it right there. I'm gonna leave it right there. I don't even think I read a comment. I didn't fucking need one. <laughs> if you can, uh, if you haven't found us on Instagram, it's because we're shadow banned. So whoop de doo. Um, but you can still find us. I'm sure. You just have to type it in manually and actually search us up. But the profile picture is recognizable. It's the associate with the ski mask. That's at Corporate Cowboys with a Z. We're on Patreon also. There's multiple tiers, multiple levels that you can subscribe to for some a little monthly. You can give us a monthly kickback. Anything that comes in goes to business expenses and legal fees. Just want to donate outright? By all means, do that too. There's a couple of links, PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, all that. 
will go directly towards business expenses, legal fees, paperweights, cartridges, and whatnot. Printer cartridge, printer cartridges, copper jacketed printer cartridges. <laughs> you can write to us, send us funny items. That's P.O. Box 3372, Rancho Cordova, California, 95741. I'm going to wish you a nice week. I mean, I'll be back soon, but, you know, I just got to do it moving. Got to do it moving. I don't do this the same time every day. So wherever I can squeeze 30 minutes in, I reprioritize. Take care.